What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Fearless as Fuck, the podcast. We were actually sitting in the back room just now deciding what today's episode was going to be because plans got a little screwy. And our producer, George Carmona, who what is, is up, here. Team? Yes, <laughs> I am in effect today. I came up with a good idea, didn't I? He did. George, um, we were talking in the back and we were talking about growing up and how kids and what we go through as kids kind of shape us into who we are as adults and in walks my boyfriend and we're like, hey, you should come on the podcast too. So we brought the man, the myth, the legend, he does exist, <laughs> Ricky Marin on today. Excited to have you here. <laughs> Randomly. Yeah, I just came to watch and support and I like, guess I got thrown an episode. So Yeah, well, I thought it would be cool because I personally know how you've grown up and the things that you've gone through. And George was a high school teacher. Correct. So I thought this would be really a really cool topic because we've all experienced so many different things growing up and kind of wanted to share some insight on what it's like to go through trials and tribulations as a young kid from both perspectives and how it kinds of shapes us. So George, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about your background because I don't even think I know For sure, all yeah. of it. So I went to college to become a special education teacher. Uh, my family, my entire family's in the special education realm. Um, I got to learn a lot as I was going through school about the different kinds of classifications because special ed has such a wide range. And I mean, I think we think of autism these days as like everything fits somewhere on that spectrum. Well, then when you really start looking into disabilities, like you, you begin to think about there, well, there's kids with like cerebral palsy who are wheelchair bound. There's blind kids, there's deaf kids, there's even gifted kids, by the way, those are, those are a, a really under highlighted portion of like the, the special ed world. Like, cause there's some kids that are wicked smart that fit into a certain classification. They don't even get talked about though. Um, so I got to learn a lot about that. Right. But there was one group in particular that, that like, meant something to me. It was personal because we all in this room, I feel, have made bad decisions, especially when we were in our teenage years. And there is a particular disability group called students with emotional disturbance um, as their labeled disability. And I didn't really know too much about them. People would always talk about, well, those are just like the crazy kids that are out of control. They're getting into fights with teachers. It goes way deeper into their home life and stuff, right? We're seeing five, six years of the same pattern of behaviors. Those are the type of kids that once I started to understand a little bit more about like, what, what can I truly make an impact? And uh, or how can I truly make an impact in this life? It came through those kids because I saw myself in just about every single one of them. Um, not saying that I came from like a, you know, a bad home. I, I had everything I wanted as a kid and some like I was I was very well off and I was very fortunate, but you know, I'm a, I'm coming from a crazy Cuban family too. So <laughs> Cubans are nuts. The emotional <laughs> swings. Um, you know, I saw my dad and uncle get into multiple altercations throughout my life growing up that kind of like led me on this, like, Oh my gosh, if I'm not careful that that exists somewhere inside me, um, and it's come out at certain points, but not to like extreme levels. So I was like, I want to be able to learn how to control my emotions and then teach not only my family, but then like the kids that are really struggling with it about, you know, the best way to regulate yourself in different environments. So 
I, throughout college, after like searching through, like, which one am I going to pick? I chose that one. Um, and it was the best decision I ever made. I taught four years at Las Vegas High School in the emotional disturbance uh, class. They, they've changed it from emotional disturbance to STAR, which stands for Specialized Teaching and Reinforcement, which we'll go into, we'll, we'll go into it a little bit more. But that kind of encapsulates my background. I did that before I started working here at Sticky Paws. Um, but th that group of kids right there are what I wanted to talk about today because the same problems that those kids are having, we all have. And they at least have the resources like a person like me or other specialists to like get it solved or get it fixed before shit gets really blown out of proportion. So, right. Yep. So when you said emotional disturbance was the, how you classified somebody with emotional disturbances, you mentioned it was like kids who were getting fight with their teachers, patterns of behavior at home. Were these things that to the outside eye would not look like a disability? Oh yeah, no, no, these kids look like normal everyday people. Like there, there's no visible change whatsoever. It just so happens they're never in any of the same classes that their friends are in. Mm -hmm. They're in a classroom with me because if they were in any other classroom, it's like any adversity that these kids would face, their number one uh, reaction is always flight. Like, just like, let me get the fuck out of this situation. How do I get out of this situation? And then typically that's when fight comes into play because I'm trying to leave. I don't want to do this. I don't want to look bad. So like, let me try to leave the classroom or something. And then when the teacher's like, no, dude, you can't leave. Like, I got your back. And then, no, fuck you. And then... Yeah. They, then the fight comes out, right? So they experience this full range of emotions over and over and over again. Uh, Ricky, you got some? Uh, that, I feel like that's kind of how I was. And I was just going to ask you because <clears throat> I, you, I wouldn't look at you and be like, you had, you had a disability or you had some sort of like learning disability yeah. or you know, all I heard is like you just didn't want to go to school and got bad grades and didn't care about what your teacher said and things like that. And you, you kind of wonder where that comes from. Yeah, I feel like I was like that, but more in a controlled way because i have a really bad like authority issues so like if, like how george was saying like if someone like like told you no you can't do this like my first thing to do is like go crazy in my head about it because uh i thought it was like more like an authority issues but it could be like a lot of like well even george said like i have like see a lot of things in myself that <clears throat> that, that he saw in them mm -hmm. so that's one thing i, I think i saw in, my, in myself because i would freak out and cuss my teachers and stuff like that when did you when did that start like what age what grade um, I think the really bad one was in fifth grade. It's so crazy to me because when I think about being in fifth grade, I just imagine being so like young and little that I wouldn't even know how to have any like um, pushback to uh -huh. my adults or my my teachers or things like that. Um, when that would happen, did you feel like you knew where that came from or it just was something that you were how you were operating? Um, I mean, it could be a childhood thing. Yeah, because I wasn't really I couldn't be like that with my parents because you know, consequences would be different, but, um, I did notice in fifth grade, I don't remember what it was about, but, um, yeah, I cussed out the teacher and I pretty, I said pretty, pretty crazy words to her and everything, but, um, yeah, I got kicked out of school. Actually, I got kicked out for like a week or something. I think it was just suspended, but it was pretty bad. And then, then it became like a pattern of behavior from then on. More like a 30 issue. Yeah. Like I had, like, I always wanted to do things in my own rules and that's still kind of how I am now, uh, with, with certain things, but, um, I like doing things like my way in my own rules, obviously like with still like following some rules and regulations, but uh, I definitely do have like authority issues. It's got, it's toned down 
but it, I definitely have it. Yeah, you you definitely you see that a lot, like in uh, in the kids that I would have. It, it's if they just learned how to harness their power, right? Because it is a very powerful tool in this world to say like everything that I want in life I can get, and they're getting it throughout not following the rules of society, which is kind of like what you were talking about with, yep. I still follow rules, right? I learned how to play the game inside the game, right? Yeah. You learn how to people please, and you can somehow get your way throughout that process. Bend the rules a little bit. But yeah. mm -hmm. if you don't follow the simple rules of society, life, like you, you'd think you'd have those authority issues with everybody. Cause you're like, why does everybody have a fucking problem with the way that I'm acting. And I and that was the toughest thing to explain to these kids where it's like, listen, I, I understand they're they're overreactive, but you also have to understand and when you when you're in school, right? Any issues that you have in school, there's that record that's kept. And if you're a kid with a disability, your record's even bigger because you have your IEPs, there's a whole bunch of extra paperwork that goes behind those kids that they never see nor care about, right? But lots of data stuff like, is he showing up to class on time? How many times did he use this cuss word? How long was he on his phone? Those are things that teachers aren't going to say, hey, I'm tracking you on this. But, but they're, they're keeping notes. They're tracking you on this, right? So when teachers see that long record from some of these kids, they don't give the kids a fair shake to begin with. So now you have a kid who's got authority issues. You have to explain to them that, hey, you're not a bad person, but people are going to think you're really fucked up. Like you're entitled, like, dude, I read your record. You threw a chair at a teacher. <laughs> Everybody sees that, right? Doesn't mean you're a bad person. You're a new person today, but it like it, it ah, it's so shitty because it translates into real life too. Yeah. You, you see the way that we treat celebrities. Like I've never met Kanye West a day in my life. And there's a lot of people that never met Kanye West, but they got some choice words to say about his behaviors and his actions. Needless to say, though, um, you mentioned something, Christina, about how like you didn't feel like you had these sort of uh, emotional outburst moments. Not, in, in your not like that. Childhood. Not as a kid. So it, it, it makes sense, though, because a, a majority of people that are labeled with emotional disturbance uh, are it's like 80 percent are male. Um, very few females like fall into that category. And when I, I did have a couple of female students, it was rare. Like I literally four years of teaching, I had two female kids come through my class and I had a class of about nine kids. Um, but wow, talk about like just emotional spirals with, and I think here's my question to you. Do you feel like you learned more from your mom or your dad? Oh, this one's so tough because my dad passed away when I was eight. Okay. So there was a, a void there, right? Okay. And so I did learn a lot from my mom. And I definitely think, bless her heart, but my mom was an insanely, insanely big people pleaser. Um, very much so like avoidant with... Um, emotional issues, um, didn't want to rock the boat kind of thing. Mm -hmm. She's a very like heart of gold person, but like really kept things that she was struggling with inside. And that, oh, that also stemmed from her childhood. So me watching my mom growing up, I adapted those traits and took that on. So I can't say I relate to when it comes to like how I was in school, but how I was in real life, a hundred percent have 
developed things from my mother or developed ways of coping from watching my stepfather and that kind of interestingly enough I feel like led me to the relationships I wound in which led me to you know doing podcasts about it and trying to understand the human brain more and why we are the way we are I think it's Mm -hmm. fascinating but when it comes to like when we talk about just this specifically like childhood in school authority issues I, I never really dealt with any of that I went to school did my work I wasn't the best student that's for sure I just wanted to like go like do cheerleading and dance and all that stuff. But I never had issues with listening to my teachers or back talking or things like that. I just, yeah. it never was a thought. So mm-hmm. I always, I'm just curious, like what are the commonalities of these kids with their upbringing that wind up leading them to having authority issues with teachers yeah. and authority in general? Yeah, so um, I, I, this is fun. I get to use like these kids as testimonies now. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I will never use their name, but the stories alone speak for themselves. Um, A lot of single parent households, without a doubt, uh, are often seen in students with emotional uh, disturbance. I I was also going to just toss in there uh, a majority uh, minorities, like very few white kids, uh, because social norms Mm -hmm. right because you know some black households or hispanic households are a little louder right and then it sometimes it doesn't jive with the way things are flowing in school the teacher thinks you're not like following the rules but that's the way you act at home so right so if you have a single parent household of a ethnic family or a minority family that was like a really big okay they have a chance um, and then let's see here. You saw a lot of kids that had a horrible self image. Um, I only started to explore it my last year. Um, cause it's a, it's really a science project. The, the field that I was in emotional disturbance, as you guys know, like is not taught in school. I've never even heard that term. Right, right. So when I am generating these lessons or when I was going through school to learn about it, right? You go to college to learn the lessons that you're going to teach. Everything around emotional disturbance was like, figure it the fuck out, you know? However you can manage your classroom, uh, you know, however you can keep your kids like above ground. It's not talked about because academics don't fall into it and it almost gets religious, Mm. Right. Because it's like, what do I tell a kid to think about when we're sitting in in meditation? Right. Obviously, you're thinking about a higher being or you, you have some sort of conversation with a person that's not yourself that it can never be taught in school because it's so like risque. It's mm-hmm. so on the line of like you, you don't know, talk about this. <laughs> yeah, you just don't. Right. So. I did not know what to teach these kids. And the very last year I started teaching them uh, like meditation, yoga, and then affirmations came up, right? Because we're talking about self-image. Affirmations was the hardest thing I ever taught in the four years that I taught. There was a lot of like things to get through with these kids, serious life lessons, but to get a person to say, I am powerful, I am strong, I am worth something. It was the hardest thing I ever had to do. I mean, that's even hard as an adult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you were in school, Ricky, did you wind up in any kind of like 
trouble as far as, um, not trouble, but any programs that were trying to help you or was it kind of like you're on your own? Uh, more, more in high school. <clears throat> I think, um, well, okay. So pretty much for my whole, since my first year of school, I've always failed classes. So like the end of the, the end of the year, we pretty much try catching up enough to get like a D or something, just enough to pass. So my teachers were always like helping me out with stuff like that. Um, that's more like grades. So as far as programs and stuff, I mean, I got expelled in ninth grade, um, first year in high school. And then I went to, um, and, um, what's that called? What are school called? Like the, the like behavioral schools? Alternative. Alternative school. Yeah. Boom. So, um, yeah, I went to alternative school. I got expelled from that one, went to a different school. I probably went to like nine different schools. So I guess those are programs that are supposed to be like helping people like that. But really, they just kind of grouped you with more people that are like you, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, um, oh, dude. So it's like not, they're not really helping you. They're just shit. sending you. They're just sending you with more people that like you. Like they're not really, they're not putting anything extra to try to help these kids discipline them or get them back into like being a good kid. You know, they just kind of let them do whatever they want. It's kind of ghetto. So, uh, but yeah, I probably went to like a good nine different schools during my high school and I didn't even, um, I didn't even get my diploma. I actually got my high school equivalency later. So, yeah, that's <clears throat> that's often seen. It's it's a revolving door. P- you were given up on. I'm gonna be so 100 percent honest with you. And it's it's a it's such a disservice because I myself, as a teacher, as, just as a like, this is where teachers like if you if your heart isn't into this shit, get the fuck out. Like, and not saying my heart wasn't into it. I think there's bigger, better things here, and that's why I moved on. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these teachers, man, they're in it for the for the long term retirement. At the end of it, happy lifestyle, three months off in between. They can honestly give a fuck whether or not their kids become something. That's mm-hmm. so shitty. Well, it's, like any, it's like any industry, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, like for example, I do I do personal training. So like, there's a lot of trainers out there that don't really care. That you know, it's hard to find someone who actually cares about changing people's lives. You know, you go to a hospital. There's not much doctors who actually care. They're just kind of like by the book. You don't find anybody who actually wants to fix what's actually going on. They just kind of do like the whole routine. So mm-hmm. really, I think in any industry you're in, you're always going to find people like that. And then you were saying too, um, they, you know, you kind of want to help people who are in these situations, but sometimes people don't even know. Like Christina was saying that she was a, she learned characteristics of being a people pleaser. So like her and even her mom probably didn't even know it was an issue. Mm-mm. So like to, her, to them, it's like, why are all these things happening to me? Like I'm good to people. I do this for people, but that's probably the issue. And a lot of people are like, they'll see him like this, see him as a good person and think they don't need help. But like someone that knows, they could probably catch an eye on it and be like, you're, you're a big people pleaser. Like you need to set boundaries because if not, you're going to get hurt and the, like these things are going to happen to you. Yeah. And that so, didn't happen to me until I went to therapy and someone told me that. No one ever would have pointed that characteristic yeah, out to me. It's such a good characteristic to have. Like you have a heart and but not knowing that people can step over that and that's where the issues come, you know? Yeah. And I guess maybe like what George was saying it's kind of hard to teach kids those things. Like I remember the first time someone told me to have to do positive affirmations. I like couldn't get the words out (laughs) as what, like 32 years old. I can't get the words out. I can't tell myself that I'm a powerful being and that I'm capable of this and I'm worthy of being loved. Imagine having to tell a kid to, to say those things and they don't even, they can't even comprehend that to their core. Yeah. It, it, it was it was so eye-opening. It was the most eye-opening day I ever had as a teacher because it's so simple. It's so simple. And forget saying it in a mirror. 
that was ultimate, right? And I had a couple of kids. You, you I can, still have. A you hard can time. judge. <laughs> so good. You can see where a person's at progression-wise. Are you able to write it down? Are you able to think about it? Are you able to say it out loud? Are you able to say it to yourself, like in a mirror? Mm-hmm. I can know. I know where you're at mentally, um, based on that alone. And uh, I wish that the curriculum would be a little more geared towards that. And they're mm-hmm. starting to with with how much mental health has been talked about. Now, mind you, I graduated college in 2019, so that's that was my last time seeing the up-to-date material on like what should be taught to these kids and it was like workbooks that involve scenarios right because you were mentioning like where do these kids come from i said single parent households just but just like a lot of fucked up shit goes on at home too you know like these kids were coming from crack houses you know like i had a kid tell me a couple of times you know my cousin who smokes crack in front of me keeps banging on the door every night at 3 a.m. And my mom keeps letting him back in. It's like, you know, that kid just, he's seen, he's seeing the worst behavior get reinforced because the dude would get a place to sleep, get some food, and then be smoking crack in the morning and he's out until 3 a.m. the next morning. Banging on the door. Like, how are you going to sleep in a house like that? You know, like, how do you, how do you, how do you know what's okay? Um, so that's what a lot of the curriculum was geared towards. It was geared towards like really fucked up shit. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, but I, I still don't even think it does a, a service to like where the true issues come. Cause mind you, you have to be labeled with this disability to be in my class for me to have this specialized focus on you. What about the 99% of other kids in the school that are going through the same exact shit? But they're just not labeled. They're just not labeled, and they don't get to have that class with me. I just get nine kids specialized, right? Got to love the government that they the government's paying extra money so that we can have these specialized resources for people with disabilities. But the I think the biggest disability, and probably the reason why they don't fix it, is because if you fixed everybody's mental health issues, and if everybody had a positive self image, I think the world would be too powerful. You know what I mean? Like. There, there couldn't be the the power dynamics of, oh, those are the poor people. Well, yeah, they might be poor, but like the rich in spirit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and you could have it at the top too. You have a really rich person that has no spirit and care, but has a lot of power and influence. So it's, it's fucked up because that dude's making the decisions to say, no, this isn't going to be talked about. Mental health and any regards at school, we're not going to discuss it because... You know, I th- I truly think it was it was a power play. Like yeah, it's power play. the government yeah. decides what they fucking teach. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's, that's what's that's... so scary is like what you're saying. All these things that need to be taught to these specially these special needs kids. I think everyone needs to get taught that. Like, why isn't there a class on how to work on your self image, on your self worth, and to understand who you are as a person? Because you're saying that there's a nine kids out of the demographic of your school that needed it. I feel like the larger percentage is what yeah. needs it, but you're not going to hear it. So it's looked at as, Oh, that's therapy. Kids mm-hmm. who go to therapy will need, will need stuff like that. When in reality, like everyone needs stuff like that, but they make it seem like it's bad or like it's a corrective course to have to go to therapy. When in reality, I feel like that's the, not necessarily just there, like talk therapy, but some sort of self-development course that is going to help you stay on track. 
mm-hmm. whether that's you know talking to a, an energy worker or that's talking to an actual therapist or psychologist depending on like what level of help you need yeah but it's all looked at as extra it's all looked at as you know special help when in reality i feel like it should be normalized mm-hmm. but but no no no. you're just going to get a steady dose of math science english we're just trying to produce the smartest brains in the world that's all schools for people school yeah. is to produce the geniuses let the cream rise to the top who are the brainiacs that are going to make like ungodly changes that we can't even fathom right what about the, the people that invented, like, you know, heart transplants and shit? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Schools invented for the Elon Musks that are building rockets to save future generations. However, right, majority of us, we aren't that. Yeah. We aren't that. And we need to shift the curriculum in a sense that obviously we want to give those kids the the tools to to be that one day. Because it would be a disservice if you looked up to be an astronaut one day and we never had a science lesson. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so for, for certain purposes, like you need to school to me is just like a, it's like a field trip every single day. You're just going, you don't, you, you like the fact that you're around your friends and everything, but there's only one or two things that are going to stick out to you from that day. But you were tossed 150 different things, but only a couple are going to stick. Yeah. So, if they, you know, restructure the curriculum in the future to even start focusing it, uh, they, they focus on it in elementary. It goes away in middle and high school. Like in elementary, we're learning, we're reading about emotions and colors and this, uh, you know, yellow makes me happy. It's like the sun, <laughs> shit like that. Um, but then they're just like, all right, figure out life. Yeah. Figure out your crazy hormones. And, and, and so that's, a, I guess, my next question to you guys because relationships were big uh, around my like demographic. How were you relationship wise in high school? I relationship wise, I had my first like serious relationship in high school and it started at like the end of junior year and lasted up about maybe six months to a year after college. But I was pretty like, innocent focused on like school I was kind of awkward kind of just like growing up so I never really was like super like boy crazy or boy focused until I got that first relationship and then in college I was more of like a like a like a serial dater where I was like dating 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 dating. but in high school it was pretty wasn't really like super active or anything uh you understood it like devotion yeah but I've always I've personally I've always been like that because I fantasized about like that hopeless romantic just ideology of just like finding someone who loved me and I think that also came from like losing my dad and then having a stepdad who was a piece of shit at, at for the most part and always just wanting that void filled with like it, it's hard to say because like I hate when people say like daddy issues or when they say like you know you're searching for something because you didn't have it um that's kind of like hard for me to like wrap my head around and comprehend because it sounds sad but I guess to me I just wanted that love from a man so bad so I was always like is this it is this it and I'm like I'm 21 like no it's probably not but Mm -hmm. you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so but in but in high school I had that like puppy love relationship that just seemed like oh my god this is so perfect you know yeah yep and so I I I figured I figured as much what about you Ricky um during school I don't think I had a lot of like serious relationships 
I mean, during the time when I, I was saying that, I was like, um, I cussed my teacher in fifth grade. I had two girlfriends. Um, <laughs> they were actually in the class when I was cussing out the teacher, but um, I didn't really have like a lot of serious like relationships. I had like crushes and like little things, but um, honestly didn't mess around too much with the girls until like my senior year. Um, but I, I wasn't I wasn't in a real, like serious relationship. I was just kind of mm-hmm. going all out, and it wasn't until I got out of high school, um, and it was pretty toxic. Mm. Mm. So, but we were both on drugs, and we were yeah. It's a whole different topic. Gotcha. Different life right there. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, I I would say I experienced since there was kids with a huge lack of self image. So like dating like seemed impossible to mm. most mm. Um, or they would be doing the absolute most to get in a relationship, right? Like the extremes, extreme, right? Messaging back every second of the day type situation. Mm. Um, but then I had like I had a player. I had a couple of players because, you know, my demographic can produce those those people that are easy. They deceive people so easily. Um, they're like the the modern day con man. Uh, oh, I most, love those. <laughs> most people with emotional disturbance, yeah. uh, because they can fool you into like their their different personalities in a sense. So, it's tough to teach kids, and it's because our brain, like when when you're a teenager, your brain literally is not fully developed yet. And I know we've all heard that, but when you truly go into the sciences of it. The, the part of the brain, I think it's the amygdala, somewhere located at the front. It's the most important uh, part of the brain because it's all controlling decision-making. Mm-hmm. So your decision-making size uh, part of your brain doesn't grow to full maturity until like your 20s. Um, I think females, it grows faster than males mm-hmm. um, for, I, I don't know, whatever reason. But that's just what studies show. So it was interesting to like have to tell them that hey you know the reason you're being so irrational is because your brain isn't fully developed yet the reason why you're going all out for this one relationship is because your brain thinks like you need to do that in order to get that person or if you're a fuck boy it was like your brain is causing you to go fuck around on the weekends because it's not fully developed yet. So w- when you guys say like in college, it kind of started to, to piece itself together. You know, did you guys feel that in your decision making skills as you were growing older? Like I'm starting just to generally make better decisions or I'm starting to make decisions after I've thought about them for a little bit. They're not reactive decisions, but you're really like contemplating if I do this, this is going to happen. So, like, what happened with your guys' decision-making? I think I definitely started thinking things through more versus just, like, being reactive. Because in the past, like, let's say I just immediately met somebody and thought, oh, my gosh, like, they're attractive. Like, they have the same interests as me. Um, They seem like they'd be a good fit. That all sounds good right off the bat, but I started being like, you know, it all looks good on paper, but you probably should just take a step back and actually see it from outside the box versus just like having like the love goggles on and like looking at somebody and not, it's like almost like having blinders on, you know, you just Mm -hmm. look right at it and you don't really see what's maybe like behind the curtain. And I started being more, more careful about making those split second decisions and not just acting on emotion. I had more logic behind why I made my decisions. Um, And then I don't know. Like when I explain it like that, it sounds like I curated like all these like 
like I thought about them so much. Yeah. But in reality, I think I automatically started just doing those things too. Yeah. And I mean, these, these, these happen in, in fractions of a second, right? Yeah. The, the, those seven questions are all answered like that. Yeah. But it doesn't seem like you, you can tell the difference between a reactive versus like thought out immediately. What age range do you say like you, you began to notice? Oh, my God. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because I feel like this all happened a lot of this um, emotional relationship maturity happened within the last like six years of my life. And I'm 35. So like we're not even talking like back in college. Like that was all mm-hmm. that was a shit show in my mind. Like I just. You know, I didn't think thoroughly through things. And I mean, even into my last relationship that I was engaged in, I didn't ask the questions to myself that I needed to before I got into that relationship. And I think about it now because even with Ricky, like I was his friend for like six months getting to know him. And even if I, even though I was attracted to him and even though I still like, you know, was thinking these things, I still was so much more. Like I held back just a little bit to make sure I understood what I was doing before I just made a split second decision. I'm just going to hook up with this guy because mm-hmm. that could ruin things. It could have bad effects on you. Um, you like what you think you might be wanting might not be it. So I just my decision making became a little bit more careful. Right. Like a little like thought out. Way more thought out. And nice. I guess in my mind, there'd be no purpose for me to do something unless there was meaning to it. As you get older, I think it just becomes less and less superficial. It becomes less and less um, materialistic or or just like surface level. Yeah. It becomes more about a lot of things that are a lot deeper. And I, I think that just goes into, I mean, like the timeline for you, right? The brain's fully now developed and now you're starting to think about your thinking. Yeah. And that's a, that's crucial. Um, and and I, what I was just going to point out to you is like, when you were younger, you know, you just needed to experience things. Yeah. So I think there's, Good or bad. there's like, there's like, a, I just want a taste of what does that feel like? What does that taste like? You, you just, you know, like, have you ever been with a black girl? I don't know. I want to try that. That's the way mm-hmm. that this brain was working at 17 years old. Yeah. You know, Ricky, would you say that like yours was doing something similar or uh, with, with ex- experience wise? Were you just trying to experience new things in life? Um, like at that young high school age. Yeah. One thing I didn't mention that, that you said something kind of sparked it up. I, I used to think I was like ugly and I, I didn't think I fitted in with anybody. Um, so I didn't have like a lot of like self-worth, um, or like my image was like, it was like pretty low. Yeah. So I've always like, was always wanting attention from people. Um, so I think one thing, it, it was kind of weird how I used to do it, but like I would always try to get at girls and as soon as their attention was on me, I was kind of over it. Not to like the next one. Oh, like yes. I already, I already pretty much grabbed them. Like yes. that's like that's literally just like all I needed to get satisfied. Um, but yeah, I, I did want I I did have like this kind of game in my head where I wanted to see if I could get at every girl. So, um, how old was your relationship with your mom back then? Yeah. Um, I mean, my mom always helped me the best she could, but I, I mean, you got to think about it. My parents, my mom was like twenty three years old when she had her fifth kid. So, wow. um. I know with a lot of people in the household and they were always working, like we weren't probably given the most attention we probably could have been given. Mm-hmm. I think that's where the kind of that rooted from. But it's not that she didn't want to give us attention. I think it was just like there was, there was, there was always working, you know? For sure. So I was spending more time with my siblings than I was with my parents. But um, she was always, always there to help me out when I needed it. 
Um, is that why you're asking if it's related to the yeah, attention? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but I, I was saying, like, I, I always have, like, this game I had to see if I can get at, like, a certain girl. Or, like, even, like, in a situation where it was, like, almost impossible, I would try it. Or even if there's, like, a group of, like, five girls, I would, like, literally try to get all of them. Yep, yep. So, and that- I mean, I mean, you know, Christina's the first girl I've ever met. I've never been with another girl. <laughs> 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 but, um... Ever, it's uh, just me. <laughs> but no, I used to read a lot of books, even like, especially like what they kind of teach men now about like toxic masculinity. Totally different topic, but um, I used to read a lot of books about it and how to get girls and stuff like that. So I would try a lot of things with women and like different like ways of saying things. And um, yeah, like the pickup artist days. Like, that's what it yeah. reminds me of. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't go to college, so I didn't get, I didn't go through that. I went to prison. So oh, shit. I was in prison for a couple of years. So I didn't get to go through that whole, you know, drinking or, have, you know, well, a lot of girls phase. I think uh, it, this just ties into it, though. You had said that all that happened when you were performing poorly in school is you just kept being around people, more people that were just like you. Right. And what I was taught in, in college is kids with emotional disturbance are on a preschool to prison pipeline. Damn, that was that's the, a hard like. It was the preschool to prison pipeline. Mm-hmm. They're gonna be dickheads all throughout their life. They're gonna be in more and more groups specialized towards that behavior, and then they'll eventually end up in prison. Yeah. So I was, it, it's crazy that you, uh, yeah, that that ended up happening. Because it, to be honest, you know, if you were put in a in a group with, <laughs> I, I hate to call it normal peers. That's what they call it though, like. The typical peers. Mm-hmm. The fuck's typical? Neither yeah, here nor there. Seriously. Um, but if you were with uh, kids with a little more ambition, like God, who knows what would have happened? Right, 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 bro. Like, I mean, you you just needed to see what it looked like. Yeah. But instead, you saw every single day the same shit on repeat. Yeah. Until you know, you you probably were just at the wrong place, wrong time one day. Right, right. I wasn't really in groups though. Like, uh, I'd have like a lot of like uh, preppy kids or like popular kids trying to like have me join groups, but. I, in my head, I thought they were going to make fun of me because mm-hmm. I didn't. I honestly didn't believe I fit it in. So I was very isolated. Like, I stuck to myself. Um, so I wasn't really, like, in groups. I stuck to myself. And I wasn't, like, a big, big troublemaker, like, noticeable. I was more like a sneaky one. Yep. So, and then once I did get caught, I just kind of, like, tried to get out of it. Yeah. I was more like a sneaky, gotcha. sneaky troublemaker. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I I give you a quick. I had a kid that would always used to, uh, he just made it a game of, like, finding him in school. <laughs> and like he would like he would just be running around like i would get a call like in my classroom middle of the day hey demarion is uh out running in like the 300s hallway look did he make it to your class yet i'm like of course he didn't make it to my fucking class like <laughs> these kids never go to class instead they just go to other classrooms and this kid would go into classrooms and then just open up the door and just be like you a bitch close it and then just run <laughs> like shit like that right and it's Vibing. like there's cameras everywhere you know what i mean um but oh sneaky shit here i can pull up a fucking funny video oh man uh i had so after i stopped teaching i had a student uh who graduated send me a video of a whole bunch of the bad shit that they used to do stop yeah like mm-hmm. shit that they used to lie to me about like right to my face and be like no mister we didn't throw a trash can in the in the bathroom onto somebody and then like <laughs> bro well it's so fucking hilarious he literally sent it to me uh oh come on it's gonna load here in a second 
That's funny. We didn't do that. We didn't burn the fucking house on fire. Well, I mean, like, you also didn't have, like, camera phones, probably, Ricky. <laughs> These kids got iPhones, and they just think they're, it's world star every day. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, I, would, I, would, I, would, I would be mad if someone tried recording me doing something. Yeah, so, I mean, what... Christina, you sound like an angel. Like, what was the worst thing you ever did in school? I was just thinking about it. <laughs> like, I... I, like, you can even ask my mom. Like, I didn't get in a lot of trouble. But, I mean, I did hang out with these two boys once, and we, we like, they, let's say we, they broke into, like, the golf cart area at this, like, country club they lived at, and we stole golf carts, and we, like, run ran them all over the, the course that night, and, like, that ran funny. over the flags. Like, a golf cart wound up in the lake. Like, just, like, just, what's it called? Like, um, what's it called when you, like, destroy stuff? See, I don't even know what vandalizing. I don't even know what it's called. I don't we, know like, what we're doing, but we it's pretty, fun. We pretty much like vandalized the the golf course, but just we were just drinking and being stupid. And I remember I saw it in the newspaper like the next like two days later, and I was like, "Oh my god!" But I know I didn't really. I honestly didn't get in trouble in high school. I was a pretty good kid. I snuck out every once in a while. Like I got in trouble with my mom. You know, I would sneak out to like stay out late at parties, or you know, we would get dropped off at the the movie theaters and then, you know, go to a house party instead. Mm. So, I mean, I feel like it was pretty typical college stuff, but I never was like destroying stuff at school. I mean, I was on the cheer team. I could get in trouble. I had to have my, I had to have my grades like pretty average. Um, but no, I never, I never got in trouble. Like my emotional issues always stemmed into college years up until like my late twenties with relationships. And that's where I noticed where my, some of my like some of the stuff that I learned growing up out of behavioral from from behaviors had affected me. It wasn't so much in school. It was like in normal personal life. Ooh, okay. Here's the next question. Did you have any friends that were like fuck ups? Because um, it's it's a yeah. lot about the crowd too. Well, oh my gosh, it's not really. Like my my friends were all like on sports teams and like cheerleading and stuff. So I never really hung out around a lot of people that were fucking up. So you are your environment. Like you said, like, you know, you could be placed into an environment like, like as an adult, you, if you surround yourself with people who are doing better than you, what's going to happen to you? You're going to want to do better. You're going to be incentivized to do better, or you're just going to be inspired to do better. But if you're hanging out with a group of people who are fucking up and not doing anything, you're not going to be inspired to level yourself up. Mm -hmm. At least that's how, that's what I've experienced. I experienced that in beauty school, actually, when I was going to Paul Mitchell, before I was in like their advanced academy, I was in like the normal, the, the, the normal kids area. <laughs> and a lot of the girls were ditching school all the time and skipping class. My grades were failing. And I remember I had one of the teachers come up to me and they were like, come to advanced Academy tomorrow. I'm like, I don't have the attendance or the grade. And they looked at me and they were like, you need to go to advanced. And I just didn't understand why. And they put me in it because I think that they saw I'll never, I'll never forget that teacher. And I'm so happy she did that because the second that she put me in advanced academy, my grade skyrocketed, my grade skyrocketed, my attendance skyrocketed, my talent skyrocketed because I was in a different environment. And I don't think I ever had the chance to go back and ask her, ask her why she did that. But I thoroughly believe she saw that I needed it. Mm -hmm. And, and she it, was right. It, it's environment. And it's funny because you were just actually being normal. And yeah. so many people were fuck ups that she put you 
where like next to the people who actually you should be with. Yeah, it was so quick to be like, oh, well, let's just ditch school today and go get breakfast. I'm like, okay. Or it's like, oh, let's just leave early today so we can go get happy hour. Okay, I'm 20, I'm 22 years old. Yeah. Like it's very tempting. I'm in downtown San Diego. Um, and you know, when you didn't have clients in the original classes, you were downstairs just kind of working on studying. And that's, I've never been a great person with that. Like I've just never been that student. But in Advanced Academy, you're on the floor almost all day working on real life clients. And so it changed the vibe for me and me as a student, whether it's hair or not, I feel like that's what I needed to thrive. But it took someone putting me into that environment for me to thrive. So you want to hear something really trippy? You know how we always talk about everything that comes in our life, it always, there's always a purpose for it. So like think about it where you would be if you would have probably fucked up and not, not have done anything with hair. Or like, you know, you got into that advanced class and it kind of like took you off in the hair and the, you know, your characteristics and like attendance and all that. Every kind of like place hair took you, even if it pushed you to a different city or meeting certain people, or even, you know, make it to where you like you end up in a city meeting somebody else and coming to Vegas. Like all those little events kind of got you here. Yeah. They you, probably all wouldn't even be, you probably wouldn't be in this podcast if it wasn't for them moving you up to that advanced class. Like, but you never know. Yeah. It's really interesting. So like every True. event that's ever happening to you in your life got you exactly here yeah so that, that's crazy thing yeah no it's it, and you can you were talking about like the the, the gold mine of a teacher right somebody oh 100 absolutely invested into the craft you know what you know who and, and i mean i i've been thinking long and hard about like how hard do i want to come at teachers knowing that i was one just last year knowing that my family did this my my dad and my uncle and my cousin do this for a living. It's a very, very mediocre profession. Okay? You, it, it's, it's not a profession in which a lot of people are striving to be their best. Mm -hmm. I felt that. It radiates throughout that fucking school. The teacher's lounge. Just the way that you see that these adults carry themselves day in and day out. I'm like, there's not a single motherfucker here that wants to grow the way I want to, right? And so I knew I had to escape that pod, right? It and, was time. And and those are the type of things that I I really wanted to get across on this episode specifically is it starts young, early on, and understanding like hang around the right people because the right people can affect the trajectory of your life. They can shape you. You know, don't beat yourself up for being such a bad person or making bad choices. It's not going to last forever because eventually your brain's going to grow and you're going to start thinking about your thoughts. And now if you utilize all those things in unison, you can be a really productive citizen. Um, and it doesn't even matter if you had a bad start. Like I'm sure Ricky, you, you didn't get off on the, on the right foot, but shit, like every time I've met you, you've been a very cordial, respectful person. I know you just got off of doing the Olympia show so congratulations to you Appreciate on that um but like what what would you say to the people like like what was that turning point for you after going through all the the losses early on mm. that made you realize like no i, I want to win like i want to i want to be something um so i mean obviously like you know i, I talked about a little bit i was always a troublemaker and ended up in prison um i think while i was in prison with the way I, I kind of ended up in prison and what I was going through, um, I kind of came to a realization and I realized I wanted to do something bigger and better in my life. I just, I didn't know what, like, I didn't know what was better. Like, all I knew was was pretty much the, the bad life that I was living. So, 
Um, then I just started going to the gym and lifting look more serious. And then I, my dreams started getting a little bigger as far as like where I, where I want to take my career or where I want to take fitness. And I didn't know what, it, what I wanted to do. I just know I want to do something better and bigger. So that kind of just helped me sharpen up a couple of things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I used to be a very violent person and um, really like cold. So I think over the years, I've, I've tried to taught myself to soften up and be more calm and uh, not be so violent and <clears throat> and uh, just kind of like be the best version of myself. So I think I had to go through some really hard shit to realize like I wanted something different um, because I, I had a lot of totally different topic. We could talk about it later, but I had a lot of near death experiences around this time before I go to prison. So, um, I mean, at the time, I didn't really care. But I knew if it's that we could just be done here and just keep going back and doing the same shit, or we can try and go do something better. But I, I was really over it. I think it was like a, a big turning point. I just I really wanted to do something better. Mm. It, it was kind of getting old, and um, I think I did start realizing too that there are better things out there. Yeah. So and and just to you know get the people humbled out there, oh. there was some like relapse possibly. In that process of saying, like, I, I always say, like, there's that, yes, I, I realized I do have a second life, and in mm-hmm. this second life, I want to be better. But, you know, it, it's tough after about even just a couple of days of living this new, better life that that other life, right, like, creeps in. Oh, yeah. Like, what, and that's the part that I feel people don't connect with the most. Yeah. It probably took a good um, four years before I actually, like, the cravings to want to do bad kind of went away. Got you. So um, it took some time. But, it, I mean, it was, it was getting easier and easier to manage as time goes by. Mm-hmm. But I would say a good four years was when it kind of, like, completely just I had no interest in doing anything like that. Yeah. No, that's so, that's that's it, people. Yep. It's time. Yeah. But self-taught, right? Like A lot of discipline in the process. Mm-hmm. A lot of discipline and structure. So um, I pretty much got broken down mentally, emotionally, in every way possible. And kind of have to rebuild myself um, with help and with myself. But definitely a lot of, I got I got really humbled. Uh, my authority issues went down a little bit. Um, but um, yeah, definitely a lot of discipline for sure. Nice, mm-hmm. nice. It's crazy too because when I like when I met you and got to know you, like I would have never thought that you went through any of this stuff with the way you mm. carry yourself and the way you are. Like, yeah, we're talking about it now, but like just acting in normal life and things like that, you wouldn't be able to tell. And I always found it really interesting because, George, I don't know if you could shed some light on this, but I feel like a lot of people who go through things like Ricky's gone through and we haven't even touched on that really, they don't wind up most of the time becoming a softer, more gentle person who can look at life like this. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah, like the relapse for sure. But you you tend to see someone who kind of goes down the path of being becoming more bitter about life. So it's mm-hmm. really inspiring to see. And I hope that if there's anybody like on the younger demographic that's listening, that they can be inspired to understand that it doesn't have to last forever and that you can change your entire life around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it's all self-taught people. Yeah, that's a, it's a, it's self-taught. Oh, he yeah. was self-taught. You have to teach yourself how to behave and what you want to be. Mm-hmm. They're not going to teach to you in school. I'll tell you that yeah, right now. Definitely not. Um, it's crazy because I now that I look, you know, into a lot of like self care things. Um, a lot of the things that they teach you to be able to become better and to work on yourself and you know understand yourself. I had no resources to that before. That's something I just I sat with um, 
Like I sat with a lot of pain and I had to like, I did a lot of things by myself that I didn't even know were real things that people actually do to mm-hmm. people. Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting too. But I forgot what was going with this. Just that yeah. there's not always a lot of resources that people yeah. can be like, okay, well, this is what I need to do. Here's a list of things I need to do for myself mm-hmm. to better myself. But when you sit in your pain and you sit in your situation, um, sometimes you can kind of realize what you need to start doing for yourself with actually getting more in touch with yourself. Yeah. You start seeing what you need. You don't always need somebody to tell you what to do because you do know deep yeah. down inside what you could do to become that best version of yourself, whether that's, yeah. you know, figuring out what you want out of life and starting to write down goals and yeah. a plan of action to take to take to get there or whether it's like George was saying, like start having more positive affirmations about yourself to build yourself strong. Yeah. Um, it Those things are really foreign to a lot of people, but you're blessed to have been able to understand those things on your own. Yeah. Um, so there is what's beautiful now is that there is social media and Mm. there's YouTube and I mean all those social media platforms underneath the sun that you can access free resources and free information on how to help, how to self help. And that's a great way to start for people who can't afford therapy and, you know, or or just too scared to talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. There are ways to scroll on TikTok and look at ways to help TikTok, yeah. Yeah, help your mind. Um and you can do it on your own if you don't if you're not ready to reach out to somebody. Hashtag mental mental health awareness or something. Like there's huge community out there that people like you don't even need to talk to anybody, but just watching videos of people's experiences and people sharing what they're going through. Like because obviously it's it's a very scary thing to put it out there. Yeah. And if you're embarrassed to go to somebody or you're embarrassed to talk to like your parents or you don't even want no one knowing you're searching about these things like just hashtag mental health awareness or little hashtags here and there. And like people are literally posting this stuff. And, you know, there's a lot of things that people can relate to. Yeah. And I think people will find it very interesting that they'll see all demographics of people actually talking about mental health. It's not just yeah. women. It's not just men. You have men and women from ages 6 to 60 talking about mental health oh, yeah. and the different struggles. So we'll have to do another episode and touch on like your actual specific ways that you, you know, got yourself to where you are because I know it's mm. extensive. But um, we're going to wrap this one up for today, but I just want to thank Ricky and George for both coming on the podcast. Absolutely. It, yeah. Thank you. If you guys have any questions, make sure to hit all of us up. I'll make sure to drop everyone's information on here. George is one of the producers here at Sticky Paws. And if you guys also have any interest in podcasting, he's the one to talk to. And Ricky is an amazing, amazing in-person trainer here in Las Vegas. So if you're looking to get your mind and your body right, definitely hit up Ricky And you can always come see me here at Sticky Paws and on the Fearless Fuck podcast. Mm -hmm. So we'll see you next time.